Out Bureau. Let's chat, share, learn, grow, and be inspired together. In each episode, we'll have casual and informative conversations with interesting LGBTQ professionals. We'll chat with LGBTQ entrepreneurs about their inspiration, strategies, startup journey, successes, and balanced with insights from lessons learned. We'll also talk with leaders in diversity and inclusion and community allies across many sectors. Please subscribe to the podcast and join the online community at outbureau.com. That's O-U-T-B-U-R-O dot com. Hello, good afternoon, good morning, and good evening. This is Dennis Velko with Out Bureau, and you are tuning in to Out Bureau Voices, where we have interesting conversations with LGBT entrepreneurs, business leaders throughout all different kinds of sectors, community leaders, and LGBT professionals. And what I like to say, an LGBTQ professional is everything from a dog walker to an astronaut. Wouldn't that be an interesting conversation? And today we are joined uh, with, with uh, Veronica Crin. Uh, she is a author, a podcaster, and an entrepreneur, and an entrepreneur coach. So she has lots to talk about, so we're gonna dive right in. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Dennis. Oh, well, absolutely. Uh, kind of seen some of your postings uh, on LinkedIn and uh, thought uh, you had some interesting uh, content that you were sharing, uh, which caught my attention. Um, but first, again, once I started actually listening to some of your podcasts, I realized, wow, you know, you have a... a you have a lot of things that you have done. Could you kind of uh, get our audience a little bit up to speed about some of your background and some of the things that you've accomplished? Uh, really interested in that book. Um, and, then, um, and then we'll kind of transition into uh, what you're doing now, okay? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, so uh, my career actually started working with the National Civilian Community Corps, which is a branch of AmeriCorps that deploys across the United States for disaster relief and humanitarian aid. And that's where I cut my chops for leadership, came back and founded my own nonprofit organization. And that was the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey in 2010. So this was far before, you know, the internet hadn't quite Grown up to the place that it is now, um, coaches weren't really a thing, and so I was figuring all of this out on my own. Um, soon after that, I was laid off from my day job, and so I started a tech company, which is uh, the company that I ultimately scaled and sold in 2018. And that was a really interesting experience because I was, um, I was a little bit of a baby queer at that point. I wasn't so far out, but I was definitely out of my comfort zone being not just a woman in tech, which is already a minority, but then a right. queer woman in tech in a very conservative city. And so there was this whole conflict of um, imposter syndrome happening for me, not just I'm growing a business and figuring all this out for the first time, but also I'm supposed to look a certain way and act a certain way according to these guys who are, you know, just wearing suits every day. And I don't understand, you know, do I belong in this room or not? And so it was a whole journey of, of discovery. 
Uh, I had a couple other small businesses in between, but ultimately the tech company, uh, which is called Green Cup Digital, still alive today, still going strong, still run by a woman. Um, That's that's the one that, yeah, really, like that's that's my baby win right there. And so I sold it because I found that I really wanted to do more as you said, I have a book out. I actually have a couple books out and a couple more on the way. <laughs> um, but my first book, Stories of Elders, um, took a lot of time and energy. And I was finding that to drive 12,000 miles across America to interview strangers in the greatest generation. So people that like, there's already age and language barriers. Um, and to then put it all together and publish it was just too much to do alongside running a tech company. And so that's why I chose to sell it. Um, and I published that book six months later. And so since then I've been, so so wait, 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 Paul, (laughs) so, so you sold a technology company to do, to finish your book. That is to finish that, my book and to coach others. Yeah. Boy, now now that is spoken like a true entrepreneur risk taker, right? Oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because things were going great at the tech company. I had it scaled to a ten hour week. I had a team of four. We were beyond six figures. It was really comfortable. But I I'm not really one that gravitates towards comfort. I'm one that wants to uh, constantly evolve and grow. Uh, and I had the book on the way and that, that's really what I wanted to be doing. That mattered a lot to me. Um, and as I said, I had a lot of hard won lessons from that initial seven years of being in business. And I wanted to share those lessons with others and help them grow so that they didn't have the struggle that I have. So ultimately that's how I ended up being an entrepreneur coach, which is what I do today. Okay, awesome. Uh, we'll definitely be diving into that. So, um, so if I if I recall correctly, too, um, you you have that book finished, but you you had a lot of additional stories that uh, you know just couldn't quite couldn't quite make you know the the cover to cover cut. Um, so right. tell everyone what you're doing with that now. Yeah. So the premise of the book was to document the paradigm shift brought about by the high-tech revolution. Uh, And that's why I was interviewing people who were so much more older than me because they lived it and they saw from the first radio coming into their homes all the way to, I have a smartphone now. So they could really encapsulate this experience and document it. But think about, you know, 80 years of life, the stories that these people have to share, not just about technology, but about the wars and about uh, family and travel and just, it's, it's so difficult to even begin to, to put it all in one box. And so the book really is focused around technology. And then the other stories like Virgil Westdale coming home from the uh, Eastern Front in Germany and seeing the Statue of Liberty for the first time in years after you know fighting a war and liberating concentration camp and that feeling of like, I'm home now and like being greeted by the Statue of Liberty. Like I was crying when he's telling that story. is nothing to do with technology, but it has to be recorded and told. So just as you said, I started a podcast. It's one of my earliest podcasts. Um, to, to share some of the pieces that didn't necessarily fit in the book 
and also to give readers the opportunity to hear them tell the stories in their own voice because there's accents and there's um, inflections that you're just not going to get from a written text. Oh, okay. So these are recordings that you had of the actual people. Awesome. So yeah. So, and so some so, of them are rough because they wanted to meet in a restaurant and you have to honor where somebody feels safe to do an interview like this. So sure. it's not like perfect podcast audio. It's I was in their home or I was in a restaurant or wherever, but yeah, okay. that's them in their own words. Oh, awesome. And you know, uh, I, I like, I, I really like that. That resonates with me as far as the, 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 your focus was on a, <clears throat> pardon me, was on a technology, but you have all of these life stories and life mm -hmm. events uh, and then around that. And, you know, at the end of the, at the end of every day, you know, our, our technology uh, that we utilize, you know, even this, it, it has to, it does, whether it wants to or you want it to or not, it has to fit within the, the larger, larger construct and framework of our lives. And bad technology is, or unsuccessful uh, technology is ones that do not because they try to force themselves uh, in a inopportune time or an inopportune or an inflexible way. And so those are the, those are the technologies that did not survive any length of time. So I think that's very fascinating that, that you, yeah. you got to see that and you're able to portray that in, in your, uh, your podcast now. Yeah. Uh, and what a, what a wonderful way too, to give your readers, you know, that, that next level of interaction, that next level of content um, where they can, can go and experience that deeper and richer, you know, um, connection. So, yeah, yeah, because it's so hard to convey like the level of soul changing experience that I had spending so much time I'm with these sure. people. And right. so if I could give that a, just a snippet of that back. And I was also quite proud to get just a few queer stories into the book. Again, that wasn't the point of the book, but there was a grandfather who said my grandson came out as gay and it changed me completely because I was not going to disown my own grandson, my own family. Um, and I interviewed a woman who uh, was a Playboy bunny way back in the day when Playboy bunnies weren't in magazines, they were in restaurants doing the serving and she had like to mm -hmm. do all the like posture training and everything. And then she came out midlife and um, became a English professor. And she said, she said she moved to be a professor at the university and to become a lesbian, which is like my favorite phrasing ever. <laughs> Um, and so <laughs> there's, funny. there's these little, that's not the point of the book. And so I didn't get a lot of it, but there's just these little pieces of our history in there as well. Oh, very, very cool. Very yeah. cool. And so, um, you then did a small podcast for, for at least a temporary podcast. It seemed like it was like from point A to point B, but it was a long point. <laughs> it was like you were traveling across the country. Yeah, and uh, kind of fitting in podcasting uh, when you when you could, mm -hmm. and um, uh, tell us just a, a small bit about that, and then we'll transition. Yeah, well, so that was actually for the book tour for my book, Stories of Elders. So um, I I was as you said traveling from point A to point B instead of a circle this time because I wanted to um, terminate the travel in Los Angeles and then stay there. <laughs> Okay. Um, but there are also regions of the United States that I hadn't been able to return to 
so it was really amazing to have interviewed people four years ago and then see them again and present them with their copies of the book and have them help sign. So every, every book signing that I have where, um, where there are people that I interviewed, I ask them to sign the books with me because oh, their nice. stories is like, I put it together, but they're the ones that are in the book. So right. um, I have everyone sign in the index next to their names and I have five master copies of everyone. So it's just full of signatures. Oh, nice. um, so that was really amazing. And so the podcast, as you said, was to kind of create a roadmap for others who are curious, like how do you build a book tour and what is it like to drive across the country alone? And you're in the middle of moving and revisiting some memories from the, the original research tour. Cause I drove to meet these people in the first place. Um, and so, yeah, it was, as you said, it was just a temporary kind of, tidbit of life uh as an entrepreneur doing wild things <laughs> <laughs> too fun too fun mm -hmm. so uh so let's dive into your um entrepreneurial coaching and you know i kind of understood your your why uh which is important for every entrepreneur uh to understand and be able to communicate and yours was so that others wouldn't have to go through some of the struggles that you did uh, could yeah. you, there must have been some, some impetus or, you know, some sparks or something that, that, uh, you know, hey, as an entrepreneur myself, this isn't my first rodeo, uh, and I'm a, I'm a bootstrap startup of one, I do everything, and every day I move myself forward on something, uh, but then every now and then there's like, you know, oh my gosh, I did this update to this over here. And why is it affecting that over there? They have nothing to do with each other. Ah, you know, just technology and trying to fit, you know, 20 pieces together to work all as one, right? That's challenging, even if it's your full-time job, mm -hmm. <laughs> frankly. And, um, yeah, there's there's lots of different struggles. You know, I I know I could talk about, but you know, this this isn't about me. But I could talk about in in each of the businesses that I have founded. You know, kind of some of the the sparks, the reasonings, and the challenges that I had, and ultimately what came to its closure. Right. Um, so we heard a little bit about um, your technology business, but. Oh, you know, outside of it just being more of a, you wanted to focus on the book, were there any significant challenges in that business that, that really kind of made you go, you know what, I, I had this huge challenge, I overcame it, and was there something like that that said, you know, that, that created that, that initial spark to be an entrepreneur coach? Yeah, well, so there was part of it, um, there's two ways to start a business. There's to start a business out of panic and just to have a business. And there's to start a business because you had a passion. I never actually had a passion for tech. I have a knack for tech. I'm very good at tech. Um, but my, my degree's in anthropology. That's why I'm writing these books because I'm an anthropologist. Um, I'm all about people. So my knack was target marketing, understanding other cultures for my clients and really serving my clients in a way that was, uh, rooted in, in heart rather than here's a bunch of language that you don't understand. And we're going to build you a website or we're going to market you online and you don't, you know, here's some lingo and you're done. Um, and so that's why that company was so successful. But my 
passion has always been around people. And so I was looking back through my life and noticing that I was the one that people were coming to for help. And then even more recently, as I was having success with the tech company, I was having a lot of people come to me and ask for help with scaling and business systems. I fought so hard for that knowledge. I was the one who was scared, wondering why I was like rich and then poor and then rich and then poor and then rich and then poor, mm -hmm. um, trying to figure out why I was working 70 hours a week, even though I had started a business for more freedom. Uh, and so you know, there's this like herding cats. I'm on the hamster wheel. I can't seem to get out of it. And so I fought and fought and fought. Where's the knowledge? Because I know this is not the case for everyone. What am I missing? And I was missing scaling and the, the, the pieces of uh, the business that need to be in place in order to scale. And so I basically crawled myself out of the chasm that I had created, right? I had done it to myself. Okay. Um, and, and being at the top of the mountain finally and having what I had originally envisioned felt so good. And I knew that there were other businesses like me, business leaders that wanted more freedom, but there was this rhetoric around, if you're not hustling hard every day, then you're not an entrepreneur. When in fact, if you're hustling hard every day, there's probably something broken in your business and that's okay because you have a business blind spot, we'll figure it out. But it's a symptom, not a success. Uh, and so- uh, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. so I, I like to say, define success on your terms. Yes. Not, not based on someone else. Because you know, it, it, if you live in New York City, whenever I was a consultant there, my clients would travel an hour and a half to get in the work. They would be in by about 8.30 to 9 o'clock in the morning. They wouldn't leave till about 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. Many of them would have uh, small apartments, you know, feed the chairs in the city. And then they would only go home on the weekends. Uh, and if, or, or because if not, it'd be another hour and a half commute back. They wouldn't get home into their bed until the earliest 11 p.m. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, yeah, you, you do work the hours, right? You, you Because you are passionate Jesus. about it. And if no yeah. one else, if you can't yet afford to hire people to delegate, uh, mm -hmm. that's one of my, my key little things that, you know, sometimes I love to listen to podcasts myself. That's one of, one of the ways I, I found you in addition to the group. And, um, you know, whenever people, uh, I, I hear podcasts, podcasters, you know, in the business sector who will say, oh, well, uh, you know, in order to do this and this, you need to delegate. Well, let's back up first. Okay. First, before you can delegate, unless you have a business partner who is in at sweat equity, you need, mm -hmm. you need funding, you know, from either an investor or loans or, you know, some level of capital, or you need to have, have traction on you know with clients to have the income to pay <laughs> that person to, to delegate and even if you're doing you know offshore uh tele you know um uh remote assistance i forget the exact name tele virtual assistance virtual assistance thank you virtual assistance in the philippines for six to seven dollars an hour okay you still have to have that money you know or you're living on credit card debt which is very dangerous so um so i think you know Getting the foundation down into your into your your systems and so forth is the you know first and foremost the best strategy. But define what success is for you. 
Um, you know, if you're, if you, if you're happy working 12 hours a day, then, you know, Buddha bless, go forth. Right. Right. And, but, you know, for those of us, one of my, I always like to round out the shows with how do you balance your life? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because again, for me, the, the it, it is what, how you define it. And two, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not, you know, eating properly, going, going out, seeing friends, going for bike mm -hmm. rides, going to the beach, going hiking in the mountains, taking your significant other, you know, at least out on a significant date night every other week at minimum. And I mean something special, not just ordering in pizza and sitting in Netflix guys and gals. Uh, you know, making that time for your, your, your whole self um, so that you can show up. Because if you don't have, if you're not taking care of yourself and those in your immediate realm of, of influence and love, then you're not going to have the energy or, or the emotional bank account with everyone around you. Because when the shit hits the fan and you really do need to work those couple of 16 hour days, you don't want your significant other threatening the divorce because they've been nagging you for six months already. You know what I right. mean? <laughs> yeah. End of the rope situation. Yeah. Right. Um, and you, as you know, from our previous chats, I'm massive uh, uh, crusader for self care and work life balance. Um, awesome. Partly from my own uh, hardships. I have post-traumatic stress disorder from doing disaster relief for the U S government. Uh, I can't allow my stress to spike that high. Otherwise, literally everything falls apart. Uh, and so self-care is one of the cornerstones of my business and one of the cornerstones I work on with my clients. And same with work-life balance. Uh, so, I mean, I think we're jumping the gun a little about what my lifestyle looks like. But if it's 6 p.m., I'm turning off the computer. I'm not scheduling anything later than that. It's over. That's the day. Um, I usually cut out a little earlier than that because I pay a lot of attention to my attention or uh, to my energy and make sure that it's really, really good because I have to be at my best for my clients. And so mm. my mornings are very important to me. And then it just you cut off. It's done. The work's done. No more. Um, and yeah, that's, that's very, very, very important. Gotcha. So, so um, what are, what are some of the, the either biggest challenges you're seeing with your with your clients or just that you see in general that you know the let's kind of take it in a phase depending on your your client base um mm -hmm. as well but you know there's definitely different phases to just launching a business and growing a business mm -hmm. and you know <clears throat> pardon me we you know some of the podcasts i hear are some some really big players and so, you know, they're talking about going, you know, uh, scaling from the 1 million to the 5 million okay. to the 10 million to the 50 to the 100 million. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for, you know, when you look at the vast majority of, of businesses in, you know, just here in the United States and, and this, this show and the website is global, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, um, I can only speak to what I know and stats that I know. So sorry, every everyone in the UK and Canada and Pakistan and Singapore and so forth, uh, you'll have to put it for you. But, um, you know, here in the US, you know, the vast majority of, of businesses are small businesses. 
probably hovering in the, you know, $200,000 a year range, you know, when you're right. looking at coffee shops and so forth. But um, so with the, with the businesses that, that you focus on, you know, um, what are you seeing kind of the, those, those for the, for the, the starting up and then, you know, and that scaling, you know, mm -hmm. what are some of the issues that you're seeing and maybe some few tips that you might be able to provide? Yeah, so there's actually one issue that arises for every single entrepreneur across the board, no matter what stage you are in and no matter how many times you've done it before. And that's imposter syndrome, uh, especially yeah. for our community. But just in general, it doesn't matter how many times you've done it. I have clients who are on their third business and they still come to me because they're looking for how to, how to start or how to scale. They've done it before, but because it suddenly looks different, they now aren't sure that they have the skill sets to make it happen. And the same with scaling. So you have, you've built the business, you're in your third round of funding, you're getting into new rooms though, with the new levels of people who have bigger pockets and all of a sudden your imposter syndrome kicks in, not because you aren't successful already, but because now you're in a room that you've never been in before and you are a fear flight or fight mechanism starts to go off and say, I'm not supposed to be here. Right, right. So, so I, I, I think we kind of got through the, through the, uh, through the story. Uh, but just in case, I know what imposter syndrome is, mm -hmm. uh, but just in case some of our viewers and listeners are like, whoa, 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 what's that? I'm no, I'm no imposter. Could you give just mm -hmm. a brief explanation in layman's terms? Yeah, it's the feeling that uh, somehow you don't belong in the room or that you can't do the thing that you've been asked to do. So a great example for me is that um, I won a really big contract at my tech company and it was something that I had never done before. They asked me to build a type of website that was much more complex than I'd ever done before. And I said, yes, because logically I know, okay, I know how to research. I know where my resources are. I can figure it out. But the imposter syndrome starts rearing its head and saying, what if I fail? I can't do this. Why did I take this contract on? What am I going to do? Because they're going to eat my business for lunch. And then you start to have that cascade effect. And if it's let, um, if it's gone unchecked, imposter syndrome can turn into self-sabotage. And then that's where we see entrepreneurs truly holding themselves back from success. Uh, gotcha. Uh, good, good way to explain it there. Very good way. And, you know, sometimes too, it's, it's anytime you're doing something a little bit new, um, a little bit, you know, maybe, maybe based on the foundation, like your example of, you know, you had that experience and it's based on something that you've done, but it's just that little itty bitty stretch uh, yeah. that you know you can do but it's that little itty bitty stretch. And, you know, sometimes even uh, uh, what I have found in, in chatting with people is, you know, sometimes people just really have almost an affliction of imposter syndrome. And, you know, some of those, you know, uh, <clears throat> a career coach could help, but, you know, sometimes I'll just also say, you know, things have possibly even happened. If, if you have, if you're constantly, having that doubt, I'm not good enough, I, I'm not worthy. One, there's great meditations uh, that you can do, um, look up on those. Also, 
perhaps even uh, think about seeing a therapist to help you get to the root cause of those internal um, feelings of, of not feeling adequate, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for an example, I, I was, uh, I've had three exes. I'll say one of my exes grew up in an alcoholic abusive uh, parent home, uh, verbally abusive, and constantly told he and his sister that they, 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 they would never amount to anything. And, you know, you're worthless, you won't amount to anything. That, and then go off and beat the mother, literally in front of them. And that left a very long lasting impression to where um, he has, has a, a very difficult time to change and believing in himself. And I, I think that's a very important thing to, you know, to get to the root of, you know, mm -hmm. especially if you are looking to be an entrepreneur, is it's okay to go out and ask for help and, and, so, and know that a, a life coach or business coach is not a therapist. Uh, they're not licensed typically therapists, although they might have some tips and suggestions on, on ways in which to deal with those underlying issues. Mm -hmm. But what we're talking about is the imposter syndrome is when, you know, it's not because of those kind of underlying, you know, um, uh, issues. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I come up with the best words here on the fly. <clears throat> but it's really about as, as you stated, it's like I'm stretching myself and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's that uncomfort zone and mm -hmm. that fear and flight, as you pointed, it kind of comes in and makes you feel uh, uncomfortable. Right. And, and it could be stretching yourself and things you've done a little bit of the past or in the past, or it could be doing things that are completely new, mm -hmm. uh, like out bureau. There's never been a website that allowed, that has allowed, uh, employees to rate their employers in a glassdoor.com like fashion and there's never been an employer branding platform focusing on lgbt and and so every day i just have to say for me my imposter syndrome the way i deal with it is yo bitch no one else has done it so therefore i am get over it mm -hmm. it's here let's let's move forward i mean it, it's just a uh, you got to just feel the fear and do it anyways. And there's one little thing for those of you that are feeling a little bit of imposter syndrome. Uh, I've shared on another show with, with um, Larry, uh, who is a, uh, a dream coach, get to your next dream. Uh, and um, Sergeant Harry Tucker in the military, uh, he told me to, at the age of 18, was one of the, the most fundamental amazing things anyone has ever said to me and he said never ask me permission for anything because if you do the answer will always be no tell me what you are going to do and i will tell you if i have a problem with it and what a great way to live mm -hmm. you know you just take charge go for it feel the fear and do it anyways because you know what the the next person that that company is interviewing to possibly do that that project that you're bidding on won't have that level of confidence right <laughs> it's true and so, so i, I want to make sure that we say that imposter syndrome is in fact normal it and is. it's going to happen throughout your life because it's a part of your fear flight or fight mechanism so this is going to keep happening and it's okay that it keeps happening to know your triggers and to work on them so that you shore them up so it's less likely 
to happen, but you can recognize it when it does. And I also offer several meditations that you can find on my website in order to work through imposter syndrome. So I'm happy to share those as well. Um, And yeah, it's not something that you have to fight against. It's something that you can learn from and then grow with. Absolutely. And there's anyone who's a parent. Uh, I'm an adoptive parent. I have an 11, uh, a 10 and a half year old. And when you get real, when, when a parent gets real with you, even your own parents, if they get real with you, they're going to tell you they don't have a clue what they're doing. They're making it up right. as they go. And, and many, many parents feel imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. They, 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 although those words aren't what are used mm-hmm. necessarily in all cases, same mechanism. But but it's the exact same thing. Yep, exactly. So just know that that it's not just in business; it's in life in general. And and you know you could even feel imposter syndrome in relationships, just your personal relationship. Like, you know, wow, he's he's interested in me. Okay, you know, or you know, whatever that might yeah. be, but but you know, you're it, it can be throughout in many the aspects fear of your of life. Discovery, the fear of being discovered as yeah. an imposter, yeah. even though you are who you are. Right, right, and so what a great way, what a great thing to attempt to understand and 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 focus on on. Con- not, I mean, controlling to the best of your ability, understanding so it doesn't affect you negatively because it, it affects so much of your life, not just mm-hmm. being an entrepreneur. Right. So, so definitely uh, we'll have links to your website and those uh, great meditations that you uh, offered there. Yeah. And so what is your typical uh, time frame, or is there a typical time frame or, or, or typical process that you do with your entrepreneurial clients? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I typically work with clients for six months, although some of them have been with me for over a year. Um, and some of them will create something a little bit more custom because what they need is a little boost into the next level and that's it. Um, but typically when you're talking about scaling and not just the nuts and bolts of scaling in the business, the consulting part, but also the entrepreneurial life coaching as they're up leveling. And so they're probably experiencing some sort of limiting belief and imposter syndrome. So it takes time and takes work. And so I found that the sweet spot is six months in order to get all the things in place in order for that scaling process to happen and also develop the personal skills and um, abilities in order to make it happen with an entrepreneur as well. But from there, it's quite custom because every entrepreneur is different. Some entrepreneurs are just starting their business. And so I'm working with them to start scaled while others are in the process of buying their first warehouse. And so they're scaling to a point where they have employees and they're taking it to the next level on a national wholesale level. So um, everyone's kind of in a different place. I uh, have my trademark three uh, pillars of business scaling. And that's what I use with my clients as the guidepost. Uh, but what happens within that is all very custom to the client. Mm, okay. Well, wonderful. Wonderful. Well, if you, uh, do you, is it all individual? Do you got, do you have like group mm. discussions or, you know, yeah. like a mastermind learning sessions? You yeah. Know? 
I do. I have a mastermind. It's called the Disruptive Mastermind. Uh, and we get together on Mondays. It's actually a free mastermind. I ask, you know, if, you, if you're going to stick around and come quite often, uh, there's a link to buy me a coffee because I am offering it kind of just in support uh, of my entrepreneurial community on Facebook. So if you want to join us, we're in the Disruptive Entrepreneur Society on Facebook. And uh, we have a weekly Monday mastermind where you can come in and grab a hot seat and get coached by myself and some of your colleagues. Wonderful. Is that a, uh, like a live video? That's yeah, it's on, on Zoom. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. So you, you Zoom and then link into that to do your live session. Yeah, so yeah, the, the group is on Facebook and then the event is in Zoom. Oh, gotcha. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. Well, any of that that uh, you'd like to ensure that gets in the show notes, uh, just yeah. give me over those links if you would. Just to make Definitely. I think anybody in our bureau would be completely welcome and bring something probably really magnificent to the group. And we're so honored and help, ready to help you uh, get to your next level. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, as two, where there is uh, just for your yourself and, and others, there there are groups on outbureau.com, O-U-T-B-U-R-O.com. Uh, groups on Outbureau can be open in where they are searchable by the uh, search engines, indexable by the search engines. Uh, they can also be private so that people can see that they are available, uh, but they can't see the content mm -hmm. within except being uh, being a member. Um, but also, just in case uh, you'd like to ever utilize or would like to join or maybe start an offshoot, uh, we also have private uh, secret groups, which only members of the group even know it exists. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, on the admin side, uh, admin side, I can see that it's there, but you know, publicly, people can't see uh, that it's there. Um, yeah. As, as well as I've been mentioning uh, in the sessions, but it's also very pertinent for you, is on every profile, you're able to indicate whether uh, you uh, are open to being a mentor to others, mm -hmm. which would be very pertinent for yourself. And you could say you're open to being a mentor for, it, for another and you're, an, you're a, uh, a coach so that they understand it, it's not a, right. it, it's a paid, uh, relationship there. Some some are not paid. And people can also indicate whether they would like a mentor. So uh, for everyone out there, if if you're not quite sure, um, you know, about it, uh, go ahead and indicate on your profile that you would like uh, to, to have a mentor and, and indicate the areas because we, we've already have spoken uh, with uh, Matthew, who is a career coach. Uh, and helps you with your resume. We've talked with uh, Timothy of uh, Timothy Stahl's Net, uh, Nutrition, who is a holistic health coach and helps you with your nutrition and diet, especially those with compromised immune systems. Mm. Uh, we have talked with Larry, who's the first gay per out gay person to sail around the world, and he helps you transi transition to your next big idea. Uh, it's retirement, not focusing on the money, but your next big move. And now we, we have you who focuses on the entrepreneurs and growing and, and staging. And as I've, as I've shared, I really have focused on having coaches here in my first sessions uh, of uh, launching Out Bureau Voices because I personally have had a year where I was privileged and had 
uh, I was working at Mirage Resorts in Las Vegas, and I was hel I was helping to start a whole new portion of their IT um, department. And uh, they they paid for a life for a business life coach to come in for a whole year and work with all management from like my level up. And um, it had a very pronounced uh, difference in my career. Mm -hmm. uh, that coaching that I had with with him, uh, his name is Joseph. Um, within just three sessions, he was like, "Why are you here? I get why you're here, but why are you here? You know, you need to be doing. You're doing amazing things. You should be out doing this as a consultant, uh, being a director in a, in a consulting business, doing your own business. For goodness' mm -hmm. sake, you know, you could be earning six, seven, eight, ten times the amount of money that you are here." And, and sure enough, within a year, uh, you know, things happen, the universe happens for a reason. And I got that, the, all the systems and processes in place to a point where, and I had staff, uh, to where they could literally um, lay me off when times got tough because all my staff knew exactly what to do. The processes and the systems were in place and they could go a while without the department head. Mm -hmm. Well, that landed me or that right as that was happening and the conversations that I had with Joseph gave me the courage uh, to put my resume out and I was picked up as a, as a division director for a consulting firm. Mm -hmm. So I went from being, we'll just say I doubled my income overnight. Um, and then I went from that job within two years to launching my own business that within three years was running $12 million a year in revenue. Mm -hmm. So, but it all started really with that life coach because outside of Harry Tucker, who I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, you know, don't ever, don't ask me permission for anything, guy. Um, this was the first, this was the, the kind of the first person as a, as a life coach who really helped me see my own, not my, my worth in the sense of I'm not worthy, but my, my worth in, in what I was doing professionally. So, you know, and helping me see that clearly. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think it is so important, you know, if you have the opportunity to reach out to a life business coach, health coach, career coach, someone that can look at your life and your situation and your business objective, objectively. And, you know, because as an, as an entrepreneur, you know, taking your example, as an entrepreneur, we get so weeded down in, in the minutia of the day mm -hmm. and the you're so passionate about what you're doing and it's your baby and no one wants to hear that their baby is ugly, right? You want to, you know, this is, this is mine. This is, this is mine. Leave it alone. And, you know, but having someone like yourself come in and, and say, you know, you know, well, in order to get where you want, where you say you really want to be, here's what to work mm -hmm. and, and helping them along the way. Yeah. Sometimes too, just kind of like to your story, uh, sometimes we just need to hear that we're not crazy, that, <laughs> you know, we're valid, that our ideas are valid, that they are actually good ideas. Because yeah. we, as you said, we get up in our heads especially entrepreneurs, because we are idea people. 
So all of this is banging around in our heads uh, and have somebody come in and say, no, this makes a lot of sense. Why aren't you doing it yet? Uh, can be the most liberating thing, especially for a queer entrepreneur, or as I call us queerpreneurs, um, because we fight all our lives for validation just to be alive. And so then if we think we have an idea that we want to launch, sometimes, I mean, val validation can be very, very, very critical for our community. It, it absolutely can. It absolutely can. You know, as, as you say, and we, we struggle with so many different things. Being LGBT, you, there's, there's uh, uh, studies that have shown that you have limited access to capital. You get, mm -hmm. you get rejected. Mm -hmm. um, I'm higher rates of depression, higher rates of suicide. Yeah. yeah. And especially depending on the region of the country you're in. And that's why I'm so passionate, again, about entrepreneurship for our community and financial independence for our community. Because if you don't feel safe in an employer, it's so much better that you can control your own income and then you can move and then you can be around people who are supportive and you can be near capital and, you know, you have so much more control. And unfortunately, the reality is that sometimes that's really critical. That could be life or death. Absolutely. And, and yes, even though the Supreme Court just this week have passed that yeah. you know, discriminating against LGBTQ people in the workplace is illegal. Right. Yes, it is wonderful. But just realize, <laughs> folks, that that is, yeah. a, that is a first step of a long process. Yeah. If we just look at what's going on in race today, well, you know, how long yeah. has that been, you know, illegal? If we look at sexual harassment in the workplace, right? That has been illegal since 1978. So mm -hmm. just, just because the Supreme Court has said it's illegal to discriminate in the workplace, do not think that it's going to automatically be you show up to work on Monday or when you're back from COVID and back in the workplace that all of a sudden everyone in your workplace, all 100,000 or however many people are there, are going to be rainbow flag waving, you know, gay and lesbian loving uh people because there's those long long lifelong learned ingrained mm. prejudices and biases that just don't go away overnight what this does is it is opens up the pathway to um uh, to uh, protection and litigation pr protection litigation suing however most really large most large companies also have forced arbitration so when you sign that employment agreement you're also signing away your right to file yeah. in court especially so right to work states yes like here yeah. in Florida and so yeah. uh, so it's it's a great and I applaud the Supreme Court justices uh, who have made that happen but right. but please please folks yes it's a time to celebrate but do not rest on your laurels it is time to to continue to push hard push far and take control of your own environment that you can. And if you would like to be an entrepreneur, we would love to help you to do that. Yeah, come on over, the water's fine. <laughs> Absolutely. So we'll be posting in the episode show uh, how to get a hold of you. And, um, and uh, it, it's been a fabulous conversation. You've made a lot of great points that I think will really resonate with our audience and possibly if not 
confirm things that they believe that will hopefully open their eyes to things to consider. So thank you so much. Wonderful. And uh, at any time, if you have some new things, some new, new projects that you're working on and would like to come back on and share them with us, uh, please feel free to do so. Or if you'd like to come on, uh, come on and say, you know, hey, I've noticed these trends with my clients in these areas of, of uh, being an entrepreneur and challenges mm. and so forth, would love to have you come back on the show and talk about those to help uh, enlighten all of our current entrepreneurs and our entrepreneur, entrepreneurial newbies. Yeah. All right. Sounds well, awesome. Super duper. You have a fantastic weekend. And for everybody listening in, uh, you can find this show on Apple Podcasts now iHeartRadio, Spotify, mm. Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and about 10 others. In addition, uh, this video for those who would love to see our facial expressions, because after all, nearly 70% <laughs> of communication is physical, um, physical expressions, right? Uh, so, but if you are on the go, would like to listen while you're on your commute to work, or at the gym, or simply cleaning or doing gardening. We're obviously on those additional podcast platforms. This is Dennis Velko with Out Bureau. This has been a fantastic episode. Thank you so much again. You have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you online real soon. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. -bye.